time for a PBFG quick hitter. All right. You want to get into the pumpkin report? Let's do it. It's going to be a... It's funny because before the game started, people were like, oh, look, the schedule perfectly crescendos from like, I don't really want to watch this game into I can't wait to fucking watch this game. And the quarterback play followed right along suit. All right. So let's uh, let's start from the beginning. How'd you grade out Burrow and Tannehill? I'm going to start with Tannehill because we've already touched on him and it will be briefer. Tannehill got a C. He had more negative plays than positive, but he also had a few plays that were fucking sick. Like they'll, they'll. Amazing touchdown to bring the Titans back. The one-hander to uh, A.J. Brown. That was a sick catch. Don't get me wrong. A.J. Brown is Terrell Owens without an attitude problem. But he threw a 30-yard back shoulder fade. That's insane. Um, He also had one more deep ball that was elite and, like, generally was pretty accurate. He was accurate on 68% of his passes. But, yeah, um, the three picks, that's bad. You can't have that. No. And, like – we touched on Vrabel when your coach is an absolute walking turnover, you can't turn the ball over. And it sucks because that castrates your offense, but like that's what Tennessee wants. So I don't know. I also did see that his arm is starting to fade and next year might be the year that Tannehill goes down the shitter, which like pains me to say, because forever I was on the just give Ryan Tannehill a fucking chance brigade. But uh, he got his chance and he was good. And now it's over. Yeah. I mean, how old is he? 33. He's like 35-ish. I don't fucking know. Is he really? Yeah. I, I I know what you mean, where it seems like his ball, his passes are floating a little bit more. Hitting that Matt Ryan stage in his career. Yeah, definitely. He's still he'll fun to thir- watch, but... He'll be it's, 34 uh, it's a twilight. in July. Yeah. yeah. It's over. Not everybody's Tom Brady. So, like, it's one of those fun things where the media is completely wrong, but they're also right. Because they're like, oh, you got to get rid of Ryan Tannehill because he's not good enough. And it's like, eh, he's actually been quite good. It's just... uh. You should probably still get rid of Ryan Tannehill because he's getting kind of old. But also you should get rid of your head coach and everybody wants to suck his dick, tell him it tastes like flowers and give him coach of the year, which I, I was, I was DMing back and forth today with a large feline Twitter celebrity who also podcasts very well. And he was like, dude, how can you say Vrabel's a bad head coach? Like it's not fun to watch, but every year they're in the AFC championship conversation, despite having way less talent. And I'm like, where do, where are they lacking talent? They got two Top flight receivers. They got a decent offensive line. They've got Derrick Henry, who everybody tells me is the best running back of the last decade. On defense, they have one of the very best, if not the best defensive lines with two stud defensive tackles and then Harold Landry, who's a monster. They've got Bud Dupree, who is at the very least a great second edge. They've got the best safety in football. They've got a really good young safety in Amani Hooker. And then they've got Christian Fulton, who's a great young cornerback. They've got uh, Elijah Molden, who's a great young slot back. Janoris Jenkins is a fine second corner. Like, where's the weakness? This is a really fucking good roster. It's a much better roster than the Bengals have, or the 49ers have. They just have a shit coach. I agree. I think Vrabel is the ultimate raises your floor, lowers your ceiling type guy. Because I think it was really impressive that they were able to stay as good as they were through all the injuries they had this year. Because much of this year, they didn't have a lot of those guys you talked about, especially on offense. Great point. And he was able to keep them playing at a high level. Obviously, they had some some blow-ups. Like, did they lose? Was it the Jets or the Jags? 
that they lost to. They lost to the Jets and also the Steelers, but the Steelers was because they fumbled like three times. It was a fucking travesty. Yeah, but so like they they had their moments, but for the most part, they were always competitive. But I do think he he eliminates your ceiling on a good roster. He's almost like a guy you want when you're rebuilding and then get rid of once you actually have the talent again. Jeff Fisher, Dan Campbell, Mike Rabel, Spider-Man meme, everybody's pointing at each other in a circle. Yeah, and so when you have as much talent as they do, it's going to look good, and you're going to win a lot of games, especially at least right now in that division where you have basically four guaranteed wins, or should at least when you're playing the Jags and the Texans. But when you get into it against the really good teams – you can't just rely on having superior talent and not, I don't know, completely destroying your team. But he kind of does at this point. Yeah, uh, we've been over it a billion times, but we need to just like, uh, I pray they get rid of Ryan Tannehill and they bring in some no-name quarterback or some shitty like Teddy Bridgewater quarterback because I will fade the fucking Titans into oblivion anytime they play a decent team. But we need to. We need to quit our passion project of bitching about Mike Vrabel and how fucking overrated he is. We need to pick up a new passion project, which is going to be talking about how bad Joe Burrow is and how much fucking value we're going to get fading him and these fraudulent Bengals all next season when people talk about how they were a championship contender. I'm very excited to bet against them next year, but we'll get into them specifically. How about Burrow this week? This was an F performance. I, like, I, I don't understand how the takeaway is that he is a star. This is King Pumpkin. I wish you guys could see because I'm going to make the most fucking fire Photoshop of Joe Burrow being a literal pumpkin. He embodies a pumpkin to no end. Like, uh, everything that you know about Kirk Cousins in big time games is Joe Burrow in big time games. He was terrible. Okay, I know what you're going to say. Squares at home. You're going to say, look at his EPA. Okay, well, we know that EPA is about 92% just counting yards, right? So, like, we don't need to break down the EPA. We need to break down the yards. He had one play, which was 60, 70 yards to Jamar Chase on a screen that was poorly thrown. Yeah, and and that was right away. And that's the key to Joe Burrow is he has the big plays right away and then completely falls off, but nobody pays attention. So let's take about 60 yards off it right there. And Joe Burrow had, what, about 350 yards passing? I would have to look it up. Yeah, so he had 348 yards passing. The first 60 or so came to Jamar Chase on that poorly thrown screen. He also got another, that's a ton of EPA as well, by the way. Yeah, it was actually only 42 yards. Oh, the screen? Okay. So 42 yards, that brings him down to almost a flat 300. You've also got another 40 yards or so on the garbage time right before half little seam curl to Uzama that was completely worthless because time was out. They weren't getting in field goal position. It was against a literal prevent defense. It doesn't matter at all. So we're looking at about 250 yards on 35 attempts. Now, additionally, people are going to say, oh, but his interception, that was fraudulent. It went off the hands of his running back. That's bullshit. You're right. It was a poorly thrown ball. Totally should not have been picked. What should have been picked is the ball that he put behind his receiver into Jack Rabbit Jenkins' arms would have been an easy pick six, and Jenkins dropped it. They just squirted right through his arms like a greased baby. So he still threw a pickable. And then you get into his sacks. Oh, but he still won and threw for a lot of yards despite being sacked nine times. Yeah, well, seven of those motherfucking sacks were because of Joe Burrow alone. 
He had plenty of time. He had open receivers. He either panicked, tried to make a defender miss when he couldn't because he's not Lamar Jackson, or simply missed his read and held the ball too long. Seven of those sacks are purely on Joe Burrow. Like you put an average quarterback in the backfield instead of him, you put Ryan Tannehill on the Bengals instead of Burrow, it's going to be two or three sacks that game. So Joe Burrow created his biggest problems and Joe Burrow's biggest successes were purely the product of other players doing things for him. He was accurate on 80% of his passes, but almost all of them were tiny checkdowns within 10 yards. It was a Mac Jonesian performance. He literally had more bad throws than good throws. He had 33.3% negative plays and 14.3% positive plays. He also had 59.4% cheap plays, bitch plays, checkdowns, a QB sneak, shit like that. He actually didn't have any neutral runs, so it was all checkdowns. He had 19 checkdowns. Tell me Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, tell me they couldn't do that shit. I think right now he really does play similar to those guys. It's what their offense asks because they do have some downfield plays involved. But for the most part, yeah, everything's within 10 yards. It's a lot of just get the ball into the playmaker's hands and let them work. And then even a lot of their deep stuff, though, is just fuck it, hope someone's down there. And they've even said that. Now, granted, Joe Burrow still does make some nice throws on those plays. But like you said, so does Kirk Cousins and Dak and a lot of those guys that are kind of in that middle tier. I will say that he seems to have a good personality for it. Even though he's running around getting lost, he does decent with keeping people going throughout late games where we don't see the horrible end game picks with Kirk and Dak. Now, I don't think he's out there doing much in terms of heroics, but he's not massively fucking up, which is valuable. I will grant you, and this is the big thing. Again, I'm most of this segment is just me responding to the media, right? Like if it wasn't the playoffs instead of pumpkin report, we could call it the like the scene from the big short where Ryan Gosling is pulling the fucking Jenga blocks out and saying nobody's paying attention. But a lot of people credit Joe Burrow with changing the culture of Cincinnati by just being like a brazen, confident, cool dude. And I he is because if and if if the things that Joe Burrow does would make him a douchebag if he wasn't Joe Burrow. And then because he's Joe Burrow and the way he does these things, it makes him actually kind of cool and like actually really cool. And like, I would like to be his friend, despite the fact that on paper, he looks like a douche on paper. Somebody who wears pink sunglasses, smokes cigars after wins, looks like Macaulay Culkin, gets fraudulent fucking wins. I'm describing somebody as douchey as a Mac Jones or Jimmy Garoppolo. But Joe Burrow does it with a panache, if you will, that makes me want to drink a beer with him. But I don't think that that matters that much. Like, I think it might help you get a little lucky. I think it might help your team stay motivated in late game stages when they're losing. But how fucking valuable is that? Is that what, 5 10% of being a quarterback? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's overly valuable, but it definitely helps, especially if you're in a lot of close games or high pressure situations. It's an added thing. And it's helped that they've been in a lot of those situations lately and have kept games close. I think it's helped that they keep on getting lucky in those situations lately. And that's I won't the disagree thing. with you there. Like, like if all of these games that are coin flips or honestly, like this Titans game was less than a coin flip for them. This, this game was them pulling victory out of the jaws of defeat or rather victory falling out of the jaws of defeat. The jaws of defeat being Mike Vrabel and cowardly ones. Um, if Joe Burrow and the Bengals lose these games that they're supposed to be losing, 
I don't think that anybody's talking about him as a star. I think people are talking about him in the way that you talk about a Mac Jones or a Dak Prescott, where like Dak Prescott is quarterback's not very good, but we want him to be good. So we just kind of try not to talk about it. And the Mac Jones is quarterback's not very good. And we're going to try not to talk about him. But if we do, we got to address the fact that he sucks. Um, Literally, I'm going to bet against the Bengals every game next year until the Lions catch up because I think they're a below average team. But I'll be betting against them as well. I I think that people will still talk about him, even if they were losing, not to the same level they are now. I don't think you're wrong that it wouldn't be like Dak, though, where he gets a lot of hype. But when you actually like really watch him, but since they are winning, it doesn't really matter right now. And overall, it's good for us because we just get to make more betting against them next year. That is the thing. The pumpkin report is both a list of things that frustrate the fuck out of me, but also things that pay my black ass. With that said, you want to talk about Jimmy G and uh, Aaron Rodgers? Oh, God. Well, I have a we're going descending order from best performance to worst performance. Jimmy G wasn't very good. Uh, Yeah, he threw two picks and they were deserved. And he sacked himself four times, which is a lot, not compared to Burrow, but it's a lot. He had one truly impressive throw. He had three bad ones. So we, what we can say about Jimmy G is he was accurate. He, he was accurate on 74% of his passes. It's just that he didn't fucking move the needle and he turned the ball over when he was inaccurate. It was a really bleh note. Like, look, they scored 13 fucking points. Seven of them were on defense and it looked like it. Okay, he was a C-minus quarterback as always. To call him a pumpkin would be to insinuate that anybody thought he should be starting right now anyways. Jimmy G did Jimmy G shit. What do you want me to say? That that sounds about right. That's kind of what I saw. It was exactly what you expect out of Jimmy G. He was largely fine, occasionally bad. The thing I didn't expect was for Aaron Rodgers to be worse, like a lot. Like Aaron Rodgers was worse than Ryan Tannehill. I believe that. Did he have he your had, worst grade on the No, Joe Burrow did. Okay, second worst? Yes, by a margin. Um, First of all, let's start off with the fact that when Aaron Rodgers didn't have a negative play, I'm going to back up. Let's start off with the fact that 56% of Aaron Rodgers' plays in general were pedestrian plays. In this case, because he had no neutral runs. Most of his plays were easy throws within 10 yards to open receivers that he hit, that he was accurate on. He also was he had negative plays on 28% of his dropbacks, which is almost twice as many as his 15.63% positive play rate. He had five bad passes. He had one drop pick. He had one great throw. He had four good throws. That's it. Very low play volume. I'll grant you that. And that is a little bit altered by the fact that he threw the ball away twice. He got lucky. He fumbled and it didn't hurt him. And he ate three sacks, which not as bad as Jimmy G or Burrow, but not what you expect from him. Yeah, especially after he talked up all week about like, oh, we're home. We're going to be in in conditions we're familiar with. It's not going to hinder us. And then he probably had the worst game of anyone on their offense, or at least. Oh, easily. And you can't blame the weather. It's not the weather's fault at all. It wasn't even fucking snowing for most of the game. And it wasn't that cold. It was cold, but it wasn't like, I don't know, Bills versus Patriots cold. His arm certainly wasn't lacking. His receivers weren't necessarily dropping balls. He just sucked, and he fumbled. He put the ball in harm's way, and when push came to shove and his special teams let him down and it was tied up, he had the ball. Third and ten. The Packers ran a genius play that I'm sure most of you have seen the dots on already on Twitter. But they brought, they took Devontae Adams, and they brought him out wide to the right. And they ran him on a deep, I guess it was a deep 
post. Basically, it's a streak that bends inward, right? Like a tape measure that you put out too long and it starts to wilt. That's the route. Bends inward. Um, they then ran a wheel route with their tight end. And basically, they ran everything to the outside and deep to clear out the middle of the field. Devontae Adams takes two defensive backs over the top because he needs to be double covered because he's great. Alan Lazard runs a deep in for about 20 yards, and he is completely uncovered. I'm not talking he's open. I'm talking there's literally nobody to account for him and at least 30 yards of greenfield in front of him before the next defensive back. So as long as he doesn't get chased down by a linebacker or defensive lineman, he's got 15 yards easily after the catch, no matter what, even if he fucks up. And Aaron Rodgers threw a deep ball underthrown into double coverage to Devontae Adams. Did not look at Alan Lazard. Completely missed the fucking read. Alan Lazard was his first read on that play, too. Aaron Rodgers went for it all. It was so stupid, it is almost sinister. I thought for a second, like, okay, did he do this because his legacy would be better if he completed it to Devontae Adams? Did he do this because he hates the Packers and wants to lose? Why did he do this? I think he just did it because he's a fucking idiot and he's scared. Because this game, he targeted Devontae Adams way too often when he was not open. He relied on him like a safety blanket when he was not open. He ignored open receivers elsewhere on the field. And it te- and knowing the fact that Aaron Rodgers is deathly afraid of his stats looking bad ever, hates putting the ball in harm's way, hates trying to make aggressive plays, loves throwing the ball away early. Maybe under all the pressure, he just got scared and he threw it up to his guy. Yeah, I think it, it definitely, the situation had to play in. All right, this is the moment to go make it happen. Add this to the legacy especially in this season of all seasons and yeah, throw it up to my guy. He's the one that's bailed me out for the last handful of years. He's been the one to make a play when we needed it. And so he just went to Joe Burrow ball, just threw to his top receiver and hoped it would turn out all right. And it didn't. And they went home. See, I think that's a beautiful illustration of if Joe Burrow didn't get lucky on so many of these fucking plays, we would be breaking him down the exact same way we're breaking down this one Aaron Rodgers play right now. And a lot of other Brady fans, because I will admit that I'm a Brady fan, a Tom Brady fan. He's, he's the greatest player I've ever seen in my life. And he's probably the singular reason I'm this into football. I mean, fuck, I went to law school in Boston so that I could be in Boston while Tom Brady was playing in Boston. That was a legitimate reason I went to law school in Boston. But I think Tom's cool. Yeah, you're not as big a fan, and that's all right. Probably a lot healthier. Anyhow. I forget why I got onto Tom Brady. Oh, a lot of Tom Brady fans are lauding this particular play and this particular game as, see, Aaron Rodgers isn't even close. And while he's not, Joe Burrow does that particular play twice a game, minimum. And a lot of the time it works because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are really good at contested catches. It's like their thing, both of them. And then people say, oh, look at fucking Joe Burrow. He's a superstar leading the Bengals back. He made the Bengals. They're nothing but him. Aaron Rodgers makes the same play. Ball bounces a little off. And every results-oriented dumb motherfucker out there is like, see, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have it like Joe Burrow does. And by it, I mean God's grace and love because it's the only fucking differentiating factor. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, and I, I don't want to just simplify it to results-based, but that kind of is, that's football. If you catch the ball and win the game, it's a lot different than if you... <laughs> under throw it and lose the game. So I understand why there's a different attitude towards one versus the other, but yeah, you're hundred percent right. And that's why I've been kind of fading the Bengals a little bit to my own peril this year, because it has to turn around. 
it's just so much, well, we'll try. And things turn out. The receivers keep bailing them out, even though the quarterback isn't playing particularly well. And their offensive line is Swiss cheese. I mean, he's the most hit quarterback in the league. And I know the line is better than it's made out to be. And he's the reason for it, a big reason for it, but still not good. And you expect that that's got to turn, but they keep just winning games. As somebody who has made a life out of, fuck it, let's see what happens. I can tell you that eventually it will bite him square on the ass. He won't like the way it feels. Um, I didn't like the way that watching these first two games felt. But as I alluded to earlier, Sunday was better. Yeah, you want to kick us off with Brady and Stafford? As as fun as this game was because of all the back and forth, wasn't a particularly well-played game. Like, Brady fumbled as bad. Yeah, Brady threw a pickable as bad. And Brady had 14 inaccurate passes. It's not the worst thing, but a 68.75% accuracy, like, rating from him is um that's not good for brady standards it's no that's not what he does made up for it with a couple of awesome deep balls and a couple of really nice second tier shots but he also ate three sacks and he was under constant pressure so he had a fuck ton of positive pocket movements like he avoided a ton of sacks if brady wasn't doing tom brady things this would have been seven eight sacks but i gave him a b minus he actually had more negative plays than positive plays. It's just that his positive plays were so fucking good. and The degree of difficulty was so fucking high. But this game was upsetting for a Brady fan. Like, it, he didn't look as transcendent as he usually does. And maybe that's why he'll retire this year. I was going to say, with the, the rumors of him retiring, do you think that that helped seal the deal for him? Going, Dude, he's you know got to retire. He's got to retire. I, I feel like it, it's almost inevitable at this point just based off of the amount of chatter and the way things have ended and the way he's kind of alluded to things. It seems like it, who knows though, we've said this about Brady for years. It's at the point where even I'm almost excited for him to retire just so that like betting can get more interesting rather than like, Oh, I hate everything about this team. Brady's so fucking good. It doesn't matter. <laughs> can free you a little bit. Yeah. I can actually like truly handicap and like, with all these quarterbacks that either are elite or were elite phasing out of the NFL, like sneak peek next year, it's going to be a lot more fun to handicap because like the actual team and coaching will matter a lot more. But it's a good point. On the other side, Matt Stafford, I gave him a B plus, which like feels low because he made no mistakes. He was really fucking good, accurate on almost 76% of his passes. But like a lot of his big plays came from taking advantage of busted coverages. And while that's good, it's not awesome. Like, yeah, if Antoine Winfield and Cooper Cup are one-on-one and it's a zero blitz and Cooper Cup is beating him by three yards, yeah, you throw that ball up to Cooper Cup. But, like, if you didn't, it would be bad. Doing it isn't great. It's just good. Like, he's doing he's doing what is expected well. I would expect Kirk Cousins to throw the ball to Cooper Cup in that scenario. And because of how open he was, I would expect a completion. Uh, the 70-yard touchdown to Cooper Cup over Carlton Davis when Carlton Davis just, like, didn't play football on that snap. Yeah, like that's a good, that's good. It's a good throw. A lot of quarterbacks probably don't even have their own strength to make it. But it's not awesome. It's not elite. It's the defense fucked up. He didn't transcend anything. So a B plus, I'm proud of him. I love Matt Stafford. I'm glad that he didn't fuck it up. But, you know, I'm not going to crown him. Yeah, you know, I think it probably felt a little bit better than a B plus just because there were so few negative plays that were on him. Yep. And they had the explosive plays and you get a little bit into the same reason Joe Burrow gets a lot of flowers is 
the playmakers or the result of the play was really exciting, even if the throw wasn't as great. Stafford played great, though. I mean, he he did play a really good game, really clean. Like you said, he wasn't asked to do a ton, but still, I can't be upset with that. That's exactly what you want out of him if you're going to, you know, try and win the Super Bowl. So he did what he needed to do, and they they pulled it off against what might have been their toughest test. Yeah, I mean, if he plays B-plus football for the rest of the year, he's getting a ring. So I this is great shit. If you get a B-plus in every fucking game the entire year on my grading scale, you're a top five, top ten quarterback. Probably top five because I don't give out A's. So like currently the only A is Tom Brady. That's it. So B-plus is good shit. Congratulations, Matt Stafford. You did good shit. You want to jump on into the Sunday night game? Yeah, I'll start off simple with Patrick Mahomes was actually great. Um, he avoided a lot of sacks. Usually he dances around in the pocket for the fuck of it, but this time it was actually necessary and it was actually helpful. I'll give him a lot of credit. I gave him 15 positive movements and alterations to his throwing motion in the pocket. So that's 15 times that like, if he didn't do some fucked up Mahomes shit, it would have been bad for his team. Um, it wasn't like, it wasn't the Mahomes game that people think of when they think, oh, Patrick Mahomes, showtime. He only had two great throws. He had no elite throws. It was purely, he didn't fuck up. He was accurate on 89% of his passes. He had four bad passes. Four. He had three throwaways, but then four bad passes. The fuck do you, like, when you got four bad passes and explosive-ass options like Tyreek Hill and a good-ass play caller like Andy Reid, you're not going to lose a game. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about what, what the Rams need out of Stafford if they want to win. And same thing with Mahomes, where, you know, obviously he doesn't have to play to this level for them to keep winning because... That was just absurd by Josh Allen and the Bills as well. But he just has to limit some of the negative stuff and just keep giving it to Tyreek and Travis and some of their other just fast guys like McCall Hardman. And, you know, Jerick McKinnon has had a nice has had some nice games with him. But yeah, when he plays like this, I don't know if anyone can beat them. Yeah, and like it's worth noting that Mahomes added six points to his slugging score on the on the ground running he had four positive runs two of which were big time like big runs uh i think one was almost 30 i think one was 30 the first one um so yeah like those are just as good as a 20 or 30 yard throw i give him just as much credit in the grading system you take away all of his positive runs and we're looking at an a minus game but when he puts the whole package together what are you gonna fucking do a plus great shit on the other Mm -hmm. end I have a little bit of a controversial take. I gave Josh Allen a B plus. I gave him a B plus just like Matt Stafford. Like Josh Allen did some good shit and that offense 100%. Like the Bills offense is Josh Allen. Josh Allen plays well, Bills offense does good. Josh Allen does not play well, Bills offense plays bad. But a lot of his fucking plays were due to busted coverages. Like everybody's going to remember the game tying touchdown to Gabriel Davis, right? He runs that scissor post route. He, He runs a post. Somebody else runs the corner. It's a scissor concept. Josh Allen fires that fucker in there. The cornerback fell down because Gabriel Davis ran a sick fucking route and the safety was covering the wrong guy. So yeah, it was like a nice throw. Like it had some great zip on it. It was very pretty. But I do think that Kirk Cousins could hit that throw sometimes. I think it's a good throw, but I don't think it's insane. It's a big fucking play with a lot of consequence and a lot of yards and points being scored on that play. But I don't know how great it is. I I mean, I do know how great it is. I think it's not great. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. He looked really exciting, and he always does. And the biggest thing has always been limiting the negative stuff and just taking those every down throws. 
So I think that's a huge part for him. And it's the growth of why he has gone from someone that you didn't really think you could put on the field to one of the better quarterbacks in the league. But as far as that game, yeah, it was, it was a lot of guys that were wide open. I mean, I give him credit for seeing the wide open guys and getting the ball there on time because there are a lot of quarterbacks that don't do that. Yep. Or where we're sitting here and killing Rodgers for not taking the, the wide open throw. So it's an important thing. You, you still have to do it. And it's what scored the touchdowns and kept them in that crazy game. But it definitely is similar to Stafford where it plays that you should make. They're, they're there for you. And I give you credit for making it, but I'm not going to go, wow, just because it was a really important touchdown. I will give him the, the one throw to Gabriel Davis for a touchdown, the fucking laser shot in the third quarter, like 55 air yards on a line, like not arced on a line, dude. I, that was insane. Yeah, I mean, he still does things that it, probably only he and Mahomes can do physically. Herbert. Herbert, yeah. Where they just absolutely laser balls into a, a pocket that is got six defenders' hands around it and fit it right in for their receiver. It's just how often can they do it? But he's been doing it very often. No, that I mean, that was a very elite throw. He had three great throws. But another thing that people don't realize – People are like, well, but look at all Josh Allen's running. Are you accounting for the running? I am accounting for the running. He had five positive throws. He got bonus points because one of them was really long. However, you got to count the negative runs. Like, if you're going to run the ball with a quarterback, sometimes it's not going to work. You have to hold that against the quarterback. They're not calling running plays for Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton would get a negative running play most of the time if he ran the ball, but they don't do it, right? Like, because he's not that, he's not a runner. Josh Allen had six runs that were negative. They hurt his team. Now, do you only do runs that he messed up or just runs that didn't work? So this counts that where the line gets blown up and he gets tackled for a three-yard loss. It depends. Um, look at me. I am indeed a lawyer. It depends. Um, no, it, so if it's like a read option and it gets blown up and he gets tackled in the backfield, if it looks like the running back would have had a better chance, I'm going to count it on him. If he scrambles and he looks like he's going to be able to run and he gets like one yard. That's a fucking sack, dude. Like, yeah, it's it's better than a sack, technically, but it's not good. You're not helping your team. Or if, uh, if it's third and 10 and you run for five yards, the Ryan Tannehill special, that's a bad run, dude. You've hurt your team. So it's very subjective. And but it, I it could takes into account the decision by the quarterback. It's not just if yes. the play doesn't. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, like, you know, let's say that they perfectly block up a run for 10 yards. Like, he's just got all the world in front of him. And he runs for six yards, but then he falls down. It's a negative run. You were supposed to get 10 yards. And you got half that. You fucked up, man. So it all kind of depends. Base The basic premise of all of my grading is, what do I think a very average quarterback would do? Like, what do I think Kirk Cousins would do? And I set my average as like average franchise quarterback, not like average guy that a team is going to keep around, not average in the entire world, not average in the entire NFL. So like I, I typically call it the DAC line. Sometimes it's the Kirk Cousins line. Like, could they do this play? Fair enough. Anything, uh, any final thoughts on the pumpkin report this week? No, it looks like our only two pumpkins are Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow. It shouldn't be a surprise with Joe Burrow because he is the king of fuck it, Jamar down there somewhere. He is also the king of check down with yards after the catch. It shouldn't be a surprise for Aaron Rodgers because despite all the MVP hype he's gotten this year, he actually played like absolute fucking shit like seven, eight times this year. And most of his stats are predicated on a ton of yards after the catch and the most wide open throws in the NFL per next gen stats and also eyes. Like 
Step one, have eyes. Step two, wear glasses if necessary. Step three, watch Aaron Rodgers play football. Step four, realize that most of what he's doing is checkdowns and easy throws, the type of shit that people gave Baker Mayfield a hard time for in 2020. I understand those who want to say like, oh, but he didn't fuck it up. That's good. Fine. I don't grade that way. I punish you if you fuck it up. I don't congratulate you for not fucking up. You don't give your son candy because he peed in the toilet. You know, you yell at him when he pees on the ground, right? Yeah, I like the analogy. Pee goes in toilet. That's what happens. Now, if your kid holds his pee for a two-hour car ride and then makes it to the toilet, then you get him some candy because that's impressive shit. Yeah, you got to get that positive reinforcement going. Just I like think we've – th- just like dogs. Children are dogs. Aaron Rodgers is a dog. I think we've exhausted the pumpkin report. Beautiful. Beautiful.